Have you ever had one of those days where you have tried everything in the book? Everything. And nothing seems to be going your way. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You always forget the deodorant when you go to Target. You accidentally put your workhouse Pyrex under the broiler and it exploded. And the girl at Caribou, she got your coffee order wrong. And you just feel like Chicken Little and the sky's going to fall. But you know what, my friend? Have you tried swearing? Because let me tell you, when all else fails, maybe swearing will help. My name is AJ, your Minnesota BFF and host of the Maybe Swearing Helps podcast. Grab a glass of wine, a soda, a bubbly water, whatever your beverage of choice is, pull up a chair and listen in. Because friends, I've got a tale for you. When we wake, we have one choice to make. Do we spend the day living or merely existing? Some of us will spend our entire lives seeking the approval of others. If we are not seeking approval of others, we are constantly comparing ourselves to everyone else on this planet. We do it without thought. It's mechanical. But but what if we could change that? What if we could reprogram the machine and remind ourselves that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? Remind ourselves that we are unique and every inch of our being was created by his hand. That God looked at this earth and said, Yup, this world needs one of you too. So he made you. He made you in his image. She is clothed with strength and dignity. And she laughs without fear of the future. He clothed you with strength and dignity. He dropped the seeds of boldness, empathy, and compassion into your beating heart. For he built you for strength because he knew the battles you would face. He gave you, he gave you all of the gifts you would ever need. And those gifts, those specific gifts, are unique to you. And no one else can use those gifts like you can. Not a single other person on this earth can use those gifts in the way that you will use them. When I look in the mirror where others see flaws, I see strength. Where society sees flaws, God sees a beautifully crafted testimony. For he knows each scar and he knows the battles I've faced. He knows that this body of mine has seen some shit and that she has carried me on my darkest days. A body that I am proud of. Each scar is more than a healed over wound. It is a story of a life well fought for. Each laugh line and newly formed wrinkle is a reminder that God found me worthy of a second chance at life. This life I have been living is unborrowed time. And I do not take a second of it for granted. For I know what could have been. 
You see, if you read the textbooks and look at the statistics, I clearly should be dead. But I'm not. I assure you, I'm alive. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I'll pinch myself. I am alive. I am a a living, breathing person. Only one out of five people will survive a pulmonary embolism. That statistic has not changed since I had mine. This is the truth that we live in still to this day, that one out of five people will survive. The odds, they were stacked high against me. But my body, she held on to the tiniest shred of strength and stayed in the fight. For she knew a miracle was coming and that I would be the one out of five who walked away to live another day. For she laughs without fear of the future because she knows that the battle has just begun. And now our life that we are living is a testimony to the four who had to die so that I could be the one who stayed. That notion sits heavy on my heart for I know those four, they would gladly take my seat. I've asked God multiple times why he saw me as worthy and not them. What made me different from the other four? Why did you save me? Why did you save me and not them? He has yet to answer those questions and I doubt he ever will. He's good at keeping secrets. Now I believe in honesty. Honesty is the best policy. I believe in being authentic, raw, and real. You'll get nothing fake from my side of the equation. And I will tell you that I have fallen into the trap of just existing. I was going through the motions and pretending to be happy. Work became my escape from my non-existent life, Cullen. My sweet little fluffy Muppet-like dog was my saving grace. He still is. That little beast gave me a reason to leave the office at 9 p.m. at night, usually after the sun had set and the streetlights turned on. And yes, I did leave for the office at 7 a.m. I'd get there between 7.30 and 8.10, and I did not return home until 9 o'clock at night. Like I said, I was existing. I was existing. Cullen, on the other hand, he didn't care how late I worked. He always greeted me at the door with zoomies and grunts. We'd go for a long walk through our neighborhood. I let him sniff and pee on every single tree in sight. I wasn't that type of asshole. I didn't let him pee on the flowers. I would tell him, nope, nope, we don't pee on the flowers. People like the flowers, trees, grass, that's okay, but leave the flowers alone. We'd come home, I'd cut up his fresh pet and put his plate on the floor. Often, I'd sit next to him on the floor, watching the news and eating whatever leftovers I had in the fridge. Rinse and repeat, I lived this same day over and over and over without thought or question. All of my friends were in relationships. They were having babies, getting married, moving away, and career moves. They all had career moves, all while I was letting the fear of failure paralyze me. I rarely dated. I thought, what's the point? You either divorce or they die on you. I became comfortable in my career. The routine, it became my solace. 
After weekend brunches, I'd say, oh, I'm just going to go into the office for a couple of hours. Those two hours turned into me walking out at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. I was existing. And this all worked. It all perfectly worked. Until it didn't. On my 32nd birthday, I found myself three bottles in and crying uncontrollably in the shower. I sat there for hours. The ice-cold water barely fazed me as I watched it swirl down the drain. I thought, maybe I could go down the drain too. Would anybody really miss me? Maybe I might meet the Ninja Turtles down in the sewers and we could have like a party and I could become part of their crime fighting game and this would be incredibly fun. I was tired. I was exhausted. Pretending to be happy, pretending to be all right is exhausting. I wanted a life, not an existence. My college professor turned mentor turned friend Gary always had this sense, like he knew when something wasn't right in my life. And when I got out of that freezing cold shower, yeah, I was a little drunk. I put on my towel and I kind of walked around my apartment and I noticed I had a bunch of missed calls and messages. And it was my professor Gary, he was calling me. And he said, kid, I called him. And when he answered the phone, kid, how are things going? I said, not good, not great. I'm kind of just barely holding my shit together here. How much wine have you had today? That's none of your business. But maybe one, maybe two. Are we talking glasses or bottles? Again, that's none of your business. And he talked to me on the phone for quite some time that night. He got me to pour the remaining remainder of the wine that I had in my kitchen down the drain. And I promised him that I would call a therapist the next day. We all know I really wasn't going to make do on that promise. I just wanted to get this man off the phone because at this point I'm tired. Cullen needs to go for a walk and I need to go to sleep so I can rinse and repeat and do the exact same day minus the wine and the freezing cold shower again tomorrow. But that next morning, it was eating away at me, and I had made that promise, and I believe in keeping my word. I believe in being honest, because I knew he was going to call and ask me about it and ask details, and I could invent a therapist. I surely could, but we all know Google exists today, and he could probably Google it and see if I really went to a therapist. I don't know if he was going to take it to that level, but I felt obligated. So it took everything in me to make that phone call. I called a therapist. I called the therapy center that Cullen and I walked by multiple times a day. It was literally right around the corner from my apartment, so I didn't have an excuse as to why I couldn't go. Like, traffic wasn't gonna keep me from the appointment. Snow, sleet, rain wasn't gonna keep me from the appointment because it was literally probably only 500 steps from my front door to their front door. So I decided that that was probably the best one for me to go to. And when I called the receptionist, she listened to me and sweetly replied, it's going to be okay, babe. We will get you someone, okay? I was nervous. Mainly I was nervous because I had admitted to myself that I needed help and I felt like a failure. I was spiraling. I didn't want the therapist to think I was nuts. I almost didn't go to that first appointment. The paperwork was daunting and the questions felt like an invasion. 
Yet, there I was, sitting in a lobby of an old house built sometime before I even existed on this planet. And Miss Emily came down the stairs and she said, hey there. And the moment I met her, I felt a connection. It was like she could see straight into my soul. I started crying and I asked her, do you think I'm crazy? And she said, no, sweetie. Crazy people don't know to ask if they are crazy. You, my dear, are not crazy. You've been through more trauma than most people will ever experience in their lifetime. We will teach you work-life balance. We will teach you how to have a life, okay? I said, okay. And I proceeded to see her once a week for the next four and a half years. Miss Emily was the voice that I needed. She was my safe place. And she was the first person to tell me. I know you survived the worst day possible. And I know people probably ask you, well, are you dying when you say you're having a bad day? And I thought to myself, damn, she knows the life I've been living because people tell me that all the time. Are you dying? Well, no, but I'm still having a shitty day. Can I have bad days too? Like, you get bad days, don't I get bad days? And she looked at me dead in the eye, put her hand on my knee and said, you can have bad days too. You are allowed to have a bad day too, okay? In her tiny office, I unpacked my baggage and bared my soul. I talked about the hurt and the anger. It was in this space I realized that my ex-husband had been abusive and that I was abused. This is where she diagnosed me with PTSD due to medical trauma. I learned to identify my triggers and she gave me the tools to calm myself down. No one should live in flight mode. Flight mode means you are not living, you are only merely existing. Miss Emily, she gave me the tools that allowed me to live a life again. Just not a plain Jane life, but the vibrant life that I was always meant to live. Yeah, she did. God doesn't want you to exist. He didn't make you to just exist. He made you to live. Yes, he made you to live a vibrant life. So if you were like me and you were going through the motions, stop and ask yourself, am I living? Am I living a life that I will remember? I'll say it one more time. Ask yourself this. Am I living a life that I will remember? If your answer to the aforementioned question was no, you, my friend, you are not alone. Millions of people around the world are just like you. They are going through the motions too. Existing is a trauma response. It is something we learn to do in order to protect ourselves. Existing is our armor. And as long as we are living in that state, nothing can hurt us. Existing allows us to put our thoughts and feelings in our back pockets. If we keep ourselves busy, then we do not have the time to remember the bad things. I call this 
being purposefully busy. As long as I kept myself busy and wore the armor of existence, the memories, they stayed away. Those memories, the battles, the trials that I walked through didn't affect me. It was like that was one part of myself and the part that was living was separate. We are not meant to live this way. Take it from someone who's been there. That response, it can be unlearned. In therapy, I learned that it's okay to ask for help. Asking for help does not mean we are weak or that we are failing. Asking for help is a simple sign of strength. None of us are meant to do this alone. All of us deserve to have a space where we can put our burdens down and bear our soul without being judged or shamed. No one is perfect. We all have our own baggage in one form or another. And comparison has no place here. Just like our gifts, our baggage is unique to us. No one else can experience what you have experienced. They may be able to relate, but they will never understand what it was like to live through that trial. They will never understand your feelings and your struggles. They will never understand your suit of armor. And that's okay. Sometimes all we need is a hug and to be told, this is a safe place. I'm here for you. I will not pry and only share what you are comfortable sharing. Those very words are what shifted me from the state of existing to living the life that was always meant for me. Hey friends, thanks so much for choosing this podcast to listen to. I know that your time is precious and I hope that you laughed. I hoped you learned something new or at least you found me slightly entertaining because if you don't find me slightly entertaining well at least you can go find me dancing awkwardly in public with a cotton candy duck over on tiktok yes i am on tiktok you can search for ninja in the city if you don't want to see me dancing awkwardly you can go on over to maybe swearinghelps.com to find out more about this episode past episodes and if you would like to connect if you have a topic or a question, you can go ahead and email. The email has changed. BearWillTravel at gmail.com. I hope all of you have an incredible week and I look forward to connecting with you.